Let's play that funky music, white boy. Way to assume my race. David, you've reached the level of Caucasianist where I have to put the (laughs) what. I have to put a little (laughs) what. Yeah. I tell you what. Well, and you know, I'm I'm in the situation where like, you know, people can't really take flash photography of me because it just kind of <laughs> flares out. <laughs> uh, when I, when, whenever they are... take flash photography for you, do they call it to Gondor? Uh, <laughs> 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 yes, that's <laughs> We That's are how they, they knew that like Sauron was attacking. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus, that's so right. good. That's it. That's that's the intro. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Hello, super friends, and welcome to Nerds for Normal People, the podcast bringing nerd culture to a normal world. I am your master of the geekly arts, Daniel Dunstan. And with me, I have a panel of friends and experts and colleagues and all the other words for people who know nerd stuff that I know. First, Beth Dunstan. Beth, thank you for joining us. Hello, it's good to be here. Good to have you here. I can never think of anything clever for this part <laughs> at all. <laughs> Next up, we have David Hood. Clever saying. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> excellent, excellent, very good. And last but not least, we have Bill Sheehy. You know, Nerds for Normal People recordings are the only time I feel the need to make mimosas at 9.30 in, at night. So it, it, it's, <laughs> I don't know why, it just kind of comes over me. Uh, but thank you for having me once again, Daniel. I've been coming back for a year, and I, I keep, I'm more surprised each time you cast me back on. So thank you. <laughs> Well, you know, that just keeps being Star Wars know, news, and we have right. to have you on. There you go. I appreciate it. And I mean, otherwise, then when would you when would you drink mimosas? Almost never. That's the thing. This is a fairly, a fairly recent thing. So. so this podcast will get interesting as it goes on. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, that- we're going to start with uh, talking Star Wars, because that that's been some of the big news. There's been a couple big things all coming out around the same time. We'll start real quick with the first thing, which was the Last Rise of Skywalker trailer came out. It showed us all the things you expect from a Star Wars trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, showed more of the Emperor, mm-hmm. I think, or hinted at more of the Emperor Daniel, than I first expected. Daniel, I'm getting the sense that you didn't really like this trailer. Is Is that... It's fine. Really? You didn't you didn't like it? I I liked it I think more than Daniel did. Mm-hmm. Um but um I think I liked the first one a little bit better just because mm-hmm. it had that iconic shot of of Ray yep. jumping over the the tie fighter. Mm-hmm. So um like I it's it's going to take a lot to mm-hmm. beat that yeah. for me. I think what I've said it before and I think this is just what's getting me is so much of the Star Wars trailers, and I get it, but so much of them feel the same and kind of mm. look the same. Oh, I and disagree so with that. I, I, I'm, I, I'm just sort of, like, I'm more interested in stuff like The Mandalorian, where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. here's a story you don't know anything about, than like, hey, the Emperor is coming back to be the big bad guy for people who have never met him. I will say, there were some things in this trailer that made me go, well, yes, I'm totally seeing this movie now. Mm-hmm. 
One was the space horses galloping yeah. across yes, of the course, star of course, space on horses. Off. I think they're the like, Onmons or something like that. Yeah, something like they're, that. they're space horses. Space so, horses, there you go. Like, but I saw that and I was like, you know what? Yes. Yeah. This is what I came for. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, big shocker. I like something that Star Wars put out. Really? To yeah. the extent where it got you on the Star Wars show. It did. Which, listen, I've, I've been on TV before. There was nothing cooler to me than getting on the Star Wars show because the way I found out. That was so cool. It I was, was so happy for you all. I was too. It was. It felt great because it was with a bunch of the people that like, it was a former podcast that I was with and, you know, with a bunch of my other, like, friends that I've met through the community. And it was just great to have that moment with all of them. Um, but I actually found out by the guy that I had on my podcast recently, Eric Butts, who's from Lexington, who got a lot of a shit mm-hmm. when he, he went viral for his episode nine reaction. We were trying to set up when he would come on the podcast. And he, as I was in Kroger, he was, he messaged me. He's like, hey man, I think you're on the Star Wars show. And I'm like, wait, what? Excuse me? And so I found out and looked at it. But yeah, I think the trailer did exactly what it needed to do. I I think it hit all the right beats. Um, It's probably my second favorite Star Wars trailer in terms of just like, you know, the big Monday Night Football trailers are always awesome. But I think nothing will ever top the Force Awakens trailer uh, that they did in Monday Night Football, which really kind of... set up my humongous amount of hype like it was it already reached uh, epic proportions but it, it took it to the next level but i just i don't understand how you couldn't get a little bit emotional because i've seen some people shitting on this like c3po saying like like his line in the trailer saying goodbye to my on his look at my friends one last time like dude i'm already hyped as it is and you're gonna make me cry jesus that's not fair well and, and c3po is one of those characters that's been there the entire saga mm-hmm. and exactly. I think that it makes sense for his character to kind of depart with with the saga mm-hmm. and so I think that makes sense from a story perspective. Oh and I don't think he's dying though. I, I think because we've seen pictures or like uh, you know I think there was a trailer where he had like red eyes so I just think it's for that where he like mm-hmm. goes like full like team deathmatch on Halo 3 and does you know, that kind of stuff with the bowcaster. So I, I, it's, it's still emotional. And I think like that music, like that swell at the end was Mm -hmm. awesome. So like, I I appreciated it for what it was. It's new. It's new footage before the movie comes out in like Mm -hmm. a month and a half, which is crazy that we're that close to it because it felt like there was so much time between the last Jedi and, uh, uh, no solo and this movie. It's gone by like that. Mm hmm. There was one moment that Daniel remembers, uh, and, and I should I should add context. I am a teen librarian, and mm-hmm. and uh, there, uh, and I think earlier that day we had had like you know a, a teen had like spilled something in the teen area, and I I told them that they had to clean it up because you know they spilled it, and the look that the teen gave me in that moment that the sort of pouty sulky look was the exact same look that Adam Driver had on his face <laughs> as he emerged from the waterfall. And so when I saw him like emerge from these waves with that pouty, sulky look, mm-hmm. I burst out laughing. Jesus. Which I'm sure was not uh-huh. the effect the intent- that was no. intended. We, we no. had to, but, we had but to it, pause it reminded- the trailer. 
because uh-huh. I, I was laughing so hard because it reminded me so much of when like I say something that like you know my, my teenagers are disappointed in <laughs> and uh so just that was my personal context for why I had that bizarre reaction. I got you. So I'm well, so glad we were not filming that live. <laughs> there is another reason, I think, also, which is you love the book Pride and Prejudice, and him emerging out of the water. I, didn't you say it kind of reminded you of Mr. Darcy? <laughs> well, and, and I should add some context here. That the um, uh, Kylo Ren trying to... Uh, Let's be real. He was trying to propose to uh, Rey at at the end of The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. And it was beat for beat, almost phrase for phrase, um, Mr. Darcy's disastrous first proposal to Elizabeth Bennet in Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) It was was so similar. I I felt that Ryan Johnson must have looked up that scene before he wrote it. Guys, um, I think you can quote me on this. I think the Raylos are right. <laughs> no, I, no, like, no, I think oh, that's no, what about this trailer. Like, yeah, I 100% believe this trailer definitely oh, sets it up to where they're just like, totally. yeah, it's just going to yeah. be Rayla. Well, that mm-hmm. and a thing we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, Darcy's initial proposal on Pride and Prejudice is basically your family is trash and you're <laughs> kind of trash too. But for some reason, I still like you. And you know, for some reason, Elizabeth Bennet and also Ray don't respond well to this. Jesus. And and so, of course, the rest of the Pride and Prejudice book is Darcy having to do all the work to try to win back Elizabeth's affection and and show his the the truth of his love and her, you know, growing enough to accept it. And, and one of those um, scenes is Colin Firth emerging. In a Emerging wet shirt from the from... water, like in, in the classic BBC version, <laughs> mm-hmm. Colin Firth emerges in a wet shirt from uh, from a lake in probably the best scene added in an adaptation in film history. <laughs> but... Hey, look, we've all had that dream. It's it's fine. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kind of just like that scene made us both laugh for those reasons, which uh-huh. not it's it's not the trailer's fault that that's where no, all it really isn't. <laughs> there's lots of cool stuff in the trailer you have all the ships and everything to me the thing the things i'm less interested in mm-hmm. about where this sequel will go seemed to be the big things of the trailer which is the emperor as the bad guy and raylo mm-hmm. and i thought like i feel like raylo would kind of hurt the arcs of both of those characters Mm -hmm. to just more or less boil it down to like hey here's they're just you know they're the star-crossed lovers i I think it's 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 more complicated than that though Mm -hmm. like and i don't think they're doing it in the way of you know i I don't even think they're doing it in the way of uh of padme and anakin which is just not that believable um i think it's it's gonna be earned and it's gonna be something that I don't think you're gonna get like full on like Ray and Kylo kissing, but I think you're gonna get some. You're gonna oh, get I something. bet we do. May, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, but I think it's more of them like teaming up because, like Ryan Johnson said, they're dual protagonists. So it only makes sense that if you're ending this trilogy, you're gonna need a protagonist, and they're just parts of the same coin. So he straight up called Kylo a protagonist, not an antagonist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, during the Last Jedi. Yeah, they, they kind of ruined that. He's gonna turn good now. Well, mm-hmm. and that does like that used to bother me a lot. Like, oh, they're just gonna redeem Kylo in the last one, which they are. But at the same time, like, they, they're. I think they're gonna find a really cool and compelling way to do it. Are, are they something- gonna? Are they going to try to Vader him where he turns good last second but ends up dying? No, I think... Because I, I think... I would also caution that protagonist is not necessarily synonymous with hero. That is a well, very the, good point. It's but, usually, but, but the but, point I'm making is a villain is, can be an antagonist. He's, a protagonist helps get to the end of the story where an antagonist mm-hmm. prevents him. So saying he's a protagonist means he's helping to get to the end of the story. Mm-hmm. As opposed to an antagonist trying mm-hmm. to c- continue on the story, so but saying he's a protagonist means means hey, he's not going to be evil. He might not be good, but he's mm-hmm. not. Well, he's not going to be. But he's, you he's going to help us get to the end. You could actually have a someone who is narratively <laughs> the protagonist of a movie, but like methodically or morally is the villain. And probably mm-hmm. the best example of that is uh, in recent memory, at least, is Thanos. Yep. Thanos is very much the protagonist of Infinity War. It's his story, mm-hmm. it's his character arc. Right. But he's the villain. I think that's a good, I think that's a really good point. I, I I do I do think however that I I think that redemption is probably you know, it's going to happen, but at the same time it, it's I think it, it's going to be different in that I think Kylo will probably survive and then have to deal with the repercussions of you know see, his that's turn what to the I dark would side. like to see because Darth Vader kind of dies before he has to deal with yeah, any of exactly. that and and I think it would be a more compelling ending mm-hmm. if you get in a situation where Kylo Ren must sort of reckon with what has happened and then and how, find his way out of it then how interesting in like 10 15 years when you come back to episode 10 because they'll do episode 10 9 or you know, uh, uh, 10 11 12 eventually to come back to that dynamic and see how he's dealing with that. I think mm-hmm. that's such an interesting, that would be such an interesting thing to explore. Um, and I think if you just do it like Vader, you're kind of, you know, I don't find that compelling at all. What, it's, taking, it's taking the cheap way out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That, exactly. And, and, and that's I, the thing. It, that's actually, I think, one of the reasons I was really upset when the trailer made it seem like... Uh, the Emperor's going to have a bigger role. Because, like, we were all mm-hmm. talking beforehand how we thought the Emperor was just going to be, like, in a scene or something and just like, mm-hmm. oh, here's an interesting thing. But, like, the the trailer sure makes it seem like he's going to be a bigger, more classic yeah. villain role. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that because that feels like it's laying the groundwork for, well, he was the one pulling the strings and manipulating, so Kylo's still innocent. Nah. I, I don't think that's where it's going. I don't like, either. I, I could honestly see, because Ray mentioned in, in Force Awakens that she dreamed of, of an island. Or, or no, Kylo Ren mentions that when he's reading her mind, that she's been dreaming of an island. And, and we know from previous films, particularly the prequels, that, that Palpatine has the ability to kind of implant ideas and mission and things in people's heads. I would find it interesting if he was maybe pushing Ray and Kylo Ren in different directions or sending visions. But I, I think that, you know, like Kylo Ren is still going to be guilty of everything mm. that he did. Exactly. But um, I think that the story will probably be overcoming this force that has been sort of 
pushing these two people along, sort of reclaiming their agency. And what's interesting to me is with with some of the canon stuff that's going to come out here in the next couple of months, you know, that Kylo Ren comic that Charles Soule is doing Mm -hmm. is really interesting to me because, like, the synopsis for it says that, like, you know, we just, we all kind of assumed that, uh, you know, Kylo Ren, like, uh, try, kill, tried to kill Luke Skywalker and then destroyed the temple. Mm-hmm. But it appears that in this comic that he's on the run because they think that he killed Luke Skywalker, which says to me, something's not adding up here. That We don't know something yet that I think is going to be really, really important for episode nine. Because if... This could be, and granted, it could not. This could be them saying, like, yeah, Kylo didn't really burn down the temple. It was somebody else. And, well, and that is a good transition, I think, because there there are two things coming out relatively soon mm-hmm. in, in Star Wars publishing. Uh, and one of them is that, that comic book series that does look really cool about Kylo Ren's past. Mm-hmm. And the other is, is this book uh resistance reborn i'm reading it right now um yeah and i it's on my to to be tbr list mm-hmm. uh I, i'm reading another ya book right now mm-hmm. but um I, I find it interesting the way that it's been promoted because a lot of other tie-in books with the star wars universe are kind of presented as here's a little fun extra information mm-hmm. um like if, if you liked the movie here's some fun little things but but what worries me about this comic and, and this book is it feels like there are really important parts mm-hmm. of characters' emotional story arcs that are happening in this book and this comic. And I feel mm-hmm. like those need to be happening in the movies well, because there's a lot of people who will be watching these films that will not be reading this tie-in uh-huh. material and they won't I- get big parts of this story well and and they have done that before though like if you read catalyst before you saw rogue one you had Mm -hmm. way more information than the person Mm -hmm. who just saw rogue one i think like that's an example of like kind of essential reading if you're gonna go watch that movie because Mm -hmm. like it really it makes that story it expands it in a way that i didn't think was possible um but I, i i understand what you're saying and I think that's a that's a really good like worry to have, but like we're both gonna read it. <laughs> like that's yeah. But my yeah. my concern is uh, we're both gonna read it. Yeah. But there's all there's gonna be a huge portion of the movie going population mm-hmm. that won't. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know it, it sort of brings me back like the, one of my favorite scenes in A New Hope is when uh, and it's gonna sound odd is when Luke Skywalker uh, comes home to his to his homestead just a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's looking at the remains of his home, and he and the audience both get a moment to truly appreciate what has been lost. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like there were some characters um, that, like, particularly Poe, Mm-hmm. who didn't get a chance to really stop and reckon with what had been lost. Because Poe in particular 
disobeys an order and as a result tens of thousands of people die Mm -hmm. and he never gets a moment to deal with this on screen Mm -hmm. um he respects holdo by the end which is great and he he sort of is back to his uh, you know being a responsible leader self by the end but he doesn't get a moment to reckon with that and i feel like that was so vital for his character and it seems like it's happening in this book, mm-hmm. but I feel like that needs to happen in the movie for mm-hmm. all the people who are not going to read the book. Well, because it, I think, like, and that's actually when we were talking about, you know, Kylo Ren and how we think, like, well, I think they'll find a way to make him have to have to deal with the guilt of what he's done. Part of what's hesitant is that they never gave Poe that moment. Mm-hmm. And he he should have had it last movie, and they glazed over it, and now it seems like it's happening in this book. There's also stuff of, like, apparently they're dealing with Finn and Rose and where their relationship is in this book. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like... Because here's the thing. I never read Catalyst, and Rogue One is still my favorite of the new Star Wars movies. Dude, you have to read it. It's so good. But, but here's so the thing. Good. It's still a complete movie, and characters mm-hmm. still undergo emotional arcs. That's true. And I'm I'm hesitant because a lot of my problems with Last Jedi is there were key characters whose stuff happened with like big things happened to them, but they never got that arc. They never yeah. got the the end of the character and then it's like, "Oh, well we're putting out this book and all the all that character stuff goes in the book." And you're just like, "But, but I I I I think I I think there's going to be important character stuff in the in Resistance Reborn. There's already been a couple things, but I mm-hmm. think this is more setting the stage for Episode Nine. This is more mm-hmm. showing the people that are going to be there, and I, I think we can go ahead and say it now because mm-hmm. um, I think we've read in an eg- excerpt. I think Wedge's Antilles is going to be a nine, and he because he's Woo-hoo! definitely in Resistance Reborn. So I think it's just going to show like. We're, you're gonna get that scene like you got in Return of the Jedi with or oh, everybody's in a room and Snap Wexley's gonna be there and Wedge is gonna be there. Everybody that like it, it's gonna be like the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate <laughs> of of Star Wars characters and, yeah. and, and you know there's and if you've been reading any of the comics it, any of like uh, uh what was it Star Wars Allegiance or Alliance or whatever mm-hmm. it it shows that Mon Cala guy that we keep seeing it in behind yeah. the scenes. That's probably Admiral Akbar's son. So, like, mm-hmm. and, and I, th- I think he's gonna be. I think he's in this book too. So, there's, there's just a lot. It's for me. It's just gonna be like setting the table, and then episode nine is the full meal. Like, this is the appetizer till we get the the full big I'm ass glad turkey. To hear that because mm-hmm. again, the way that it's sort of been advertised and pushed mm-hmm. is that it's kind of necessary reading. Mm-hmm. for some of these these arcs and i think mm-hmm. that they always do that to a certain extent because they obviously want you to go by the book now but um, here's here's the thing with with most canon stuff mm-hmm. lucasfilm they're, they're not gonna make it like this all like you have to read this because mm-hmm. they're, they're still trying to set, like go make you go to the movies and here's an example the i, I started writing for the force.net recently mm-hmm. And they have a podcast called, uh, well, what is it? The Forcecast. And they had Greg Gum- Grumberg, Snap Wexley on it. And they talked to him about Resistance Reborn because they've read it. And he mm-hmm. couldn't, like, name you what was happening in that book. Mm-hmm. 
So the characters, the the actors that are playing the characters have no idea what's happening in these books. So like mm-hmm. it's it's not I don't think that there's going to be any kind of mm-hmm. big kind of revelation besides yeah. true or, or big character moment. True, but they also have directors who can guide them and fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. There's a right. very famous interview of Michael Douglas hadn't seen Civil War before mm-hmm. Ant-Man 2 and a hell of a lot of Ant-Man 2 tied into Civil War. Uh-huh. And he just basically went to the director. He goes, why is any of this stuff happening? And the director just told him. So it's Jesus. like, that, that's the thing of the actors don't necessarily have to read it. What I'm worried about is they'll put, they'll be like, well, we'll put all the character moments. We'll put all this stuff that maybe isn't as interesting or as spectacle wise interesting on screen. And we'll put it into this book. And, but like, that's the stuff that helps tie a story together. Like, that's mm-hmm. why I care about Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Can I put a little asterisk in what you were saying? Go for it. Yeah. You were saying Civil War in Ant-Man 2, not Infinity War. No, Civil War. Because remember, Ant-Man 2 happens at the same time as Infinity War, but Scott's in jail because of his actions in Civil War. Oh, uh, yeah, but why wouldn't he know that from Civil War when Civil War already happened, like, right after Ant-Man 1? Well, no, 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 you're right. But Michael Douglas never watched the movie. Oh, so so the thing uh, is, is their movie was a reaction to what happened in Civil War, but Michael Douglas didn't know. Yeah. Oh. And and so like he, he, he had to sit to he had to sit down with the director to mm-hmm. tell him to here's, get that. Wouldn't it have been quicker just to watch Civil War? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Here's, here's what I hope about uh Kylo Ren's story in particular. I hope that Rise of Skywalker also answers those questions that we have about Kylo Ren's past because I think it will make him so much more sympathetic to the audience if he says, by the way, I was being hunted down and these people I've been hanging out with were my only allies during that time. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if if that is also revealed in movie for those of a for a lot of the people out there that will not pick up the comic, that way they don't miss out on that key character because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that is so key to empathizing with him. Yep, mm-hmm. he he was backed into a corner. He had no choice but to go mm-hmm. to Snoke and to turn to the dark side. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, and I I'm hoping I think we will, but I, I hope that we do get that revelation in movie because this is going to be the longest Star Wars movie yet. So they'll Which, have time. Yeah. Like. Give me a five and a half hour Star Wars movie. Oh, no. I don't care. No. Pee, I will pee in a bucket. I do not care. I, no. hey, hey, Bill, how would you feel if uh, Palpatine was a like a dark side force ghost? Oh, I think that's what they're going to do. I think if you've, and this is another thing, if you've read the comics, you, you this might have prepared you for it. In the Vader comic, there's Lord Momin, who is a Sith spirit who like is haunting a, a, an old mass that he was in. And then he manifests and become and he Vader help uses him to like help build his castle and like that it's a big story in the comics and so I think you know they've they we've seen you know Vader's helmet uh burned helmet being prevalent in the, you know there's a shrine and all that other stuff we've seen in the Force Awakens we've seen it here I think that's what's happening we're Palpatine is is haunting okay, that. Bill. that okay, mass. I really hope that not because that's absolutely stupid. <laughs> um, Do, okay, oh get off that. No, because here's the thing: when that scene happens in Force Awakens, I never once thought he was talking and having a conversation with the mask. What I thought 
is it's it's the same as like you get people who talk to like gravestones of relatives. Mm-hmm. Well, it is I'm, solilo- I'm soliloquizing to this thing. And mm-hmm. suddenly I've seen this theory emerge where they're just like, well, and the mask was talking to him. I'm just like, we never, there's no evidence in that scene that that's what's happening. Yeah, there, I think there, there's like not even any pauses with like some weird noises going on. Be like, what the fuck? Nah, no. In the same just- way that when Ray touched uh, Luke's uh, lightsaber, or Anakin's lightsaber in The Force Awakens, I think he had a similar reaction. But we uh, never saw that. But like, it, just because we did, never saw it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Like, but if we don't see it and you don't read the comics, that that's gonna come out of nowhere. That would have come out of nowhere. Like we, they've hinted at it in the in the Force Awakens that, that he was having something, some kind of connection with it. I I I disagree. I, I more agree with Double D saying it's like talking to you like your grandparents' gravestone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like that. That's what I got out of it. I didn't get mm-hmm. like he was getting something like Ray got out of the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So like, if, if like they're saying like that. Helmet was haunted this entire time. That'd be like, what the? When did that happen? It happened in the Force Awakens. I saw it. It was right there. Well, to maybe the expert like you saw that to an average viewer like me, uh-huh. that did not happen. It, it's David. You are anything but average. Okay, when it comes to Star Wars, I'm pretty average. I never read a Star Wars comic. I've never done that. We have our flaws, and that's you. Just have that one. But it, it's that's the stuff that bugs me when you get into extended universe and it's like this with marvel too marvel has done tie-in comics for their movies generally they're one kind of bad just retellings of the movies in comic book form there's been i would argue exactly one good one (laughs) that was called fury's big week it came out before the avengers and even that it's it's all right but the thing is it's because it just, to me, it feels like filmmakers, there's a term called uh, plot spackle. Uh, Beth probably knows about this. Where it's it's common when you're writing episodic media. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, you put it out and then you're on to the next and you're on to the next. And sometimes, years down the road, you're like, oh, I need to do something that I should have established a while ago. And I kind of forgot to, or I didn't do it right. And so they'll kind of just throw in a scene and be like, by the way, when you saw this, it was actually this. And it it feels jarring because it is coming seemingly out of nowhere. Hmm. It works for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It does. But that's also... <laughs> of course that, it works for anime. That's also... But it doesn't even... Yeah, it's, it works for one particular anime... But that's also, like, that's the tone of the show. The tone uh-huh. of the show is that just ridiculous things happen constantly, so why not? But if you're telling this dramatic space opera, it's having the Emperor seemingly be the big bad might make sense in terms of he's the big bad of Star Wars as a franchise. He's the big bad of mm-hmm. the whole huge arc. But for this new group of heroes, there's been no encounter with him. He's just this complete doesn't matter to them at all. And to throw him in here just seems not to fit. I can't believe that you're saying something comes out of nowhere in a story about space wizards. That's true. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Wait, why does this have space wizards? 
Like, and and I will say that that the the idea of like a ghost haunting an item, like it, it's very much in sort of the the gothic fiction, and mm-hmm. I think especially um hello Raylo fans, um especially in the Kylo <laughs> Ren uh Ray romance or connection, whatever it is, like that feels very gothic romance, very Wuthering Heights, mm-hmm. Jane Eyre, and um. And 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 so that would work for that particular genre, and um, I have complicated feelings about this because I love a good gothic romance, but I also want to like castrate the hero usually, like you know, I <laughs> like with, with Heathcliff or or Rochester. So it's so I have complicated feelings about Kylo Ren with this because I do mm-hmm. love a good gothic romance. But... Same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why you love Jonathan Joestar. But... <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> All of this is to say, like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm entirely down on the movie. Mm-hmm. My main thing is I'm worried, especially with them adding in, like, the book, and it's like, oh, now we're doing these comics. Rather than enhancing the story as it already exists, I'm worried this is going to turn into a situation where they use these to just kind of rewrite scenes that they didn't quite get right in earlier movies and be like, and here's why the Emperor was the real villain the whole time. Maybe Emperor Palpatine was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> maybe. Because <laughs> it's, I think I, I think I told either Beth or like maybe Noah at work or something of like, it almost just feels like they were like, well, once we redeem Kylo Ren, who's going to be the villain of the piece? And someone went, oh, shit, we don't have a villain. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit, fuck we it, killed grab the Emperor. <laughs> because, I mean, Hux is is not a no, a, he's not an a intimidating threat. villain. He, he's not. And they, they, they kind of, they did neuter him in the yeah, last they, they like, they the made entire him... movie emasculating him. Uh-huh. And, and I am fine with Ryan Johnson emasculating Nazis. Like, that mm-hmm. is perfectly, perfectly fine. fine with me. Can I quote you on that can i please quote i am you perfectly that? fine yes, with that yes. okay cool, 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 cool. <laughs> not to mention we had phasma who went down like a bitch like boba fett that's true yeah she did that's just sort of disappointing though because like she yeah. was just the boba fett character yeah she looked yep. cool and amounted to nothing in the end everyone's hyped about her but in the end of the movies they realized oh she didn't do shit and died mm-hmm. like a bitch and especially if you have gwendolyn christie yeah. Let her do stuff, because especially like I was really pumped to see like a a female like ruthless villain, mm-hmm. because a lot of the ladies in the Star Wars universe and they're great strong ladies, but they're all like you know the on, on the side of good and sweet and noble. So I was looking forward to really getting into like a a mean female the, character. Mm-hmm. On, on, the, and, on that topic, like I was excited about Phasma because. The problem I had with most the women like in there was yeah they're strong but they're always more like the mind behind everything. I was excited mm-hmm. about Phasma for like the woman that's just in there going let's wreck shit up. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly didn't have a problem with Phasma not having a, a big role until I actually started watching Game of Thrones and then I was like, dude, you just waste oh, no, yeah. it. I know. Like that's uh, she kicks ass. Like she, she does, does more. She's so great. It's mm-hmm. she's so she, good. She is so great, and they like she yeah. She, the, she even the way she died for- almost like really that's how yeah. you let, let her go well, and even that before that it's like in Force Awakens she's held hostage by a janitor and a smuggler 
Borg is going to shut off the shields. And then you're like, well, maybe in the second movie she'll get to kick some ass. And then she's defeated by that same janitor. (laughs) Using a magic elevator. Yep. (laughs) Reenacting that scene from Back to the Future. That's right. That 100% is... And I just realized that Jesus Christ! No, yeah, that, that's become a, that's a cliche in movies, but it's all referenced to. Was that Back to the Future too? Uh huh. At the top of Trump, I mean um, Fifth Tower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We'll find out because Rise of Skywalker comes out in December. I will be there, front row. Woo-hoo. I probably will too. Probably more the middle for- middle to back of the theater because that's I prefer to watch movies from there. <laughs> Yeah, who sits front row like a maniac? Why would I crane my neck? Um, because you do it for the love of Star Wars. That's what you do it for. I would have for the love neck of Star pain Wars, for the rest of my life for Star but Wars. But even for the love of Star Wars, I would rather sit in the back where I could see the entire thing. Well, you know what? Speaking of pains in the neck of Star Wars... Uh, Benioff and Weiss have had to leave Star Wars recently. <laughs> Thank Bye. God. Bye. Uh, Watch so, out for the door on your way out. So reportedly, some details have come out about this. It's more or less they made a Netflix deal for like $250 million mm-hmm. or some huge sum like that. i take that deal. i take and that deal. Basically, it's them. They're developing content for Netflix but they weren't going to do that until after their Star Wars stuff was done, and they weren't starting on Star Wars till after Game of Thrones stuff was done. And it sounds like neither Star Wars nor Netflix were too happy about the fact they had signed both of these deals, and so they eventually left to focus on... Uh, Netflix. Netflix. And it, it may have also been unfortunate timing, but I did want mm-hmm. to... Nod to the Twitter user at for Arya, who was the one who posted the running commentary from the film festival in which yeah. the two showrunners sort of talked at length about their writing process or lack thereof, and uh, also talked about how they endangered an infant on set, um, <laughs> among other things. Yes, not so, great, Beth. Wait, not wait, great. You're talking, you're talking about the writing process sucked? No way. It's almost like when, <laughs> when it's almost like when well, George R. R. Martin's book stopped, the show went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it like a day after like that came out, like they yes, announced? It was the day yeah. after it was announced. And Re- I know it reportedly may have been this reportedly this exit has been brewing since August. But it, it felt though like this was a good Lucasfilm saw a good opportunity to mm-hmm. to sort of say, okay, here's where we part ways. Which it- and yeah. my biggest problem <laughs> with Benioff and Weiss, because this doesn't, af- I, I, I don't, I did not care at all. I liked Game of Thrones, but at the same time, hearing their process, if you're going to care so little about, like, what's clearly a fantasy series and mm-hmm. not, like, lean into the fantasy, yeah. what are you going to do when you're in charge of a Star Wars movie? And if, if you can't understand what makes Star Wars great, what makes Game of Thrones great, then I don't want you anywhere near it. And there <laughs> like was that's... also a a contempt, like a very clear contempt for fantasy fans mm-hmm. in, in, in how they were describing things. Like they weren't writing for fantasy fans. 
Um, they were writing for people like women who don't like fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I read God. that and I was like wow <laughs> the epitome of dude bros good <laughs> god yeah it's I mean reportedly their store, their movies were going to be about the origins of the Jedi can you mm-hmm. imagine oh my gosh I've, like, I've always thought that's what Ryan Johnson was doing like that's mm-hmm. he was going to like investigate more of the mysteries of the beginning of the Jedi Order and stuff like that and that's why like I think a lot of people assumed when Benioff and Weiss came on that they were going to do an old Republic type story but that mm-hmm. would make sense mm-hmm. um, but question who do you for- think is next then Bill who do you think replaces them for those slots. So the way I see it, we've got a couple of options here. First is you, which I think I would probably do now since there's a three year gap. I would probably move Ryan either Ryan Johnson's trilogy up uh, to that those same dates, or I would give Kevin Feige's movie uh, put them that 2022 spot. Mm-hmm. Um, or re- it, reportedly, it, it, they don't know what's going there yet. Right. So. Or you just find somebody else to do the exact same story that they were going to do, uh, have them rewrite it a little bit, and or a lot of it, you know. Yeah, up to yeah. Them. <laughs> and I, I said this on the on my pod, and Trey added somebody else too, which would be really really cool. Let Dave Filoni do it, man. If he he's going to knock mm-hmm. it out of the park with the Mandalorian, he trained under George. George taught mm-hmm. him everything about the Force. If you're going to start a se- a movie series about the mysteries of the Force and the start of the Jedi Order. Why? Who better to use than Dave Filoni? And then Trey said, if you want to, if he wants to come out of retirement and start talking about the Force again, let George Lucas help too. I have no problem with that. You, I don't think he would do it, but I, I think. Have you ever read uh, what his treatment was for his sequel trilogy? Yeah, and like, but like, here's the. <laughs> it doesn't listen. That it would have changed because I think like here's the thing: if if you do this. I think that you're going to have a lot more people, like, because people object to some of George's weirder ideas. Which is all the sequel trilogy was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, We're not going to go into it here, because it would take too long, probably, but you should look it up. The basic ideas, though, of the sequel trilogy, you know, George had an iteration of that. So, like, (laughs) there's good ideas there. He just goes to, like... Okay, I'm gonna go to you microscopic know, I, levels, and midi chlorians are little yeah. beans that live around us and use the exactly. force as exactly. godlike he, he powers. Usually, he usually goes a little too far, but <laughs> having an influence like Dave Filoni or hell, Kathleen Kennedy, you know, she'll fire directors as if, if anything goes wrong. <laughs> <Yeah. on. laughs> so. That is actually one thing that like came out in like Vanity Fair, I think, did an yeah. article or uh, Variety. That's it. Did mm-hmm. an article looking into it after, and apparently, like they looked at there have been some complaints of, and I'm not sure if it's expressly just Kathleen Kennedy or Star Wars as a whole as a brand mm-hmm. that would tend to bring in creators saying like, "Hey, you'll be able to do all this stuff and have creative control." And then, and the, then they don't have any creative. Control. And then the moment they start, they're like, "Actually, no. How about no?" Listen, I am a, a. I've always been a huge fan, huge proponent of Kathleen Kennedy. I think she has done a, a tremendous job as president of Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think she could let 
could her creators be a little bit more original and let their vision come to life? Because I think that's of the the new Disney Star Wars movies. How many have had behind the scenes issues? Force Awakens, uh, Rogue One, mm-hmm. uh, Solo, and mm-hmm. Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. Now this that is five of like the six where there have been issues. And I yeah. think she she tends to choose like who's hot right now. Yeah. And 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 I think you know it reminds me of like Kevin Feige will choose directors and storytellers that have done nothing, but mm-hmm. he thinks that they're good storytellers, like the Russo brothers. And and so mm-hmm. I I wonder if she might maybe look at some creators that are maybe not like the hottest thing right now, but have told really good stories before. Right. Like mm-hmm. and 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 she might find some. And I think, like, if she did it and sort of vetted it that way, again, I'm not going to try to tell Kathleen Kennedy what to do. She's one of the no, most no, successful no, 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 no. I would never do that. Would never in, do that in in Hollywood history. And I'm sure she knows she knows exactly what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But um, but there like, is the like, and once again, I will defend Kathleen Kennedy until you know, till the cows come home. Uh-huh. But you, you, you've, I think there, there's something to be said that. Uh, of the of the, all the Star Wars movies movies you've done, the only one creator you've had haven't had issues with was Ryan Johnson. So and like that's just how great of a creator that Ryan is, and how like I, I think that's more like she enjoyed working with Ryan than anything. But I think if you want to bring mm. in these like up and coming creators, these directors, these storytellers, you've got to let them tell their story. Mm-hmm. And you know you can obviously have differences of opinion, but you can't. You can't just get, let people go if they don't mm-hmm. like mesh with your vision. I guess you you got to find some common ground, some middle ground there. It's almost as if they're in the kind of like pre Age of Ultron Marvel universe, where it's mm-hmm. like Kevin Feige tried to kind of keep a tight grip on how the story was going, and like try to be like, we got to cram all this stuff in for the story to set up other stuff, and then like it was after that that he realized like, oh, I should just hire people who can tell good stories and kind of like let them go right and the movies improved after that it became the marvel we know of now really Mm -hmm. and so like i i think they're in that kind of still pre-stage and they need to figure out the right balance of how much they can let go Mm -hmm. so you can't let directors go wild but if if you're bringing in incredibly talented people just so they can put their name on a credit of a movie that they don't get much creative say in, you're not really getting what that creative person can bring. Right, right. Any other thoughts on this? Ming-Na Wen and Mandalorian. Oh my god. Yes. Mandalorian continues to look good. Ming-Na Wen! <laughs> cool. Well, well, we'll transition here. To maybe another creator who could learn to maybe let go of the steering wheel a bit more. <laughs> so, they officially announced this week Fantastic Beasts 3, set to start filming sometime next year. I think early next year. Uh, they've not announced too much. Uh, Jessica Williams is going to be having a bigger role, so she mm-hmm. won't just be a picture in a book. And they... They're going to uh, have a scene change to go to Brazil. No, 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 Daniel. Brazil. 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 Um, 
And it is going to be, they're bringing on Steve Cloves to co-write the script with J.K. Rowling. Steve Cloves wrote basically, or is credited for a screenplay with all the Harry Potter movies save Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, J.K. Rowling has been has written the past two Fantastic Beast movies entirely on her own, so they will be co-writing this. You know, the thing I love the most about Fantastic Beasts uh, 2 was that it asked the question, what if Harry Potter sucked? And it is a question, and they answered it. And... Listen, I I was I really liked the first Fantastic Beast. I was really yeah, the I first was, Fantastic Beast was really fun. Yeah, exactly. And I think they lost that in the second one because the best parts, in my opinion, were like when they leaned into the parts that we do know. Like when they when you have Albus Dumbledore, Ju- I think Jude Law was awesome as Dumbledore, but he was in it for like five minutes. And then when we go to Hogwarts, it's like I'm reminded of the things that I love about the other movies. Why are you not giving me more of that? Well, they then, seem to forget about the beasts as well, right? Well, and well, you know, finding them. I would actually right. be kind of disappointed about by, by um, them sticking too much in Hogwarts because parts I've actually enjoyed about the Fantastic Beast movies, like both of them, is how the wizarding community is in each country, right? Like how mm-hmm. we're so used to the London way. Mm-hmm. The first one I love to see. I love seeing how the American wizarding branch was. The second movie I love seeing the Paris one. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to seeing how the Brazil Wizarding Universe is because that's gonna be mm-hmm. that should be w- really different. Yeah, it'll be but, different. But let's see if it'll be good. Like that's <laughs> but, but the, actually the one of the parts I hated most about the second one was in Hogwarts when McGonagall randomly shows up and they're like, "You're not even supposed to be born yet." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like what are you doing here? It's except explicitly being fan service. Listen, I I have to thank J.K. Rowling for making my childhood, for making me want to read. But mm-hmm. like, what are you doing, man or homegirl? I don't know, girlfriend. <laughs> she, what, what she are, is trying too hard to be like woke and. Too, too, I don't even think it's that, man. I just it, think have, you, that have it, you ever seen her Twitter account? Oh my god! Yeah, I, well, yeah, well, that's but how I, I learned how wizards used to poop. Excuse me. Oh, Bill. Oh, 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 you don't know that one? Okay, oh. so actually it was Pottermore, wasn't it, that tweeted that out? They basically said that Hogwarts used to not have bathrooms, and instead the wizards would just disappear it from their pants and just crap themselves. No, no they would just like poop on the floor. They would, they would just poop on the floor and just make it disappear. Oh, so yeah, they're, that's they're why poop. they call him Harry Potter. Okay, yeah. cool. They would poop in, They would just poop wherever they were and, and make it and disappear. Like, and like there was one tweet that she said like Hermione was always black, and then you like reread the book and say like, no, she's clearly not. Nah, dude, it, I it's don't. Just, even... It's just like you're you're trying to change things that you already wrote in the book, and I'm just like, well, I, I that was in response to the cursed child where people were bitching about her being Hermione yeah. being black, which I understand she's coming to the defense of a show she helped write, and I think. She did that. She they cast a black Hermione with great intentions. Like that's, I think that's awesome. But like, I I don't know. I, I feel it's this. I have no. I have no problem. Like if I if I would have gone seen that play, I would have had no problems with Hermione being black. But when she said, "Oh yeah, Hermione was always black," and you, mm-hmm. you just look at the book and you're like, "No, it does." At the end of the day, does it 
really matter. Like, it's, what color her skin is? No, but she no. just starts saying stupid shit. I do want to say that I was at a conference recently, and uh, there was a uh, there was a woman presenting on uh, on representation in mm-hmm. in fiction, uh, and she did say that um, as as a young black woman reading Harry Potter. She had, when she had been reading the book, she had envisioned Hermione as as black or or possibly mixed race. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there is anything wrong with that at all. No. This is a story with with unicorns and magic spells and centaurs, like you know. Uh, so I don't think that there's any issue at all Absolutely with not. uh with like you know a a person reading uh this this literature and imagining Hermione looking like them um like and and as much as we really don't need to know about the the excretory habits of wizards um like i i i can also see the point of when when an author goes back and answers a bunch of questions that you didn't ask mm-hmm. and didn't mm-hmm. want answered like it it can get problematic see so my whole problem with how she's doing that is going back and answering all those questions. You're taking the mystery out of it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was one of the great things about this Wizarding world. There's mystery everywhere, and then she just goes, "Oh no, it was like this." And there's even some stuff that it kind of hurts eventual moments. Uh, Nagini comes to mind, mm-hmm. which yeah. is when Neville kills Nagini at the end of the seventh book or eighth movie, depending on how you how you first encountered mm-hmm. Harry Potter. It's it's this cool moment of like, yes! You know, it's a big moment of victory and celebration, and then it's like, actually, Nagini was someone who was cursed to turn into a snake, and she was kind of a slave to this circus. She was kind of, like, doing this against her will, and you're like, why? But she was still a horcrux and had to be stopped. But yeah, she, she still, did, you made you made it feel bad to kill Nagini when this entire time you were like, oh yeah, before most it, mortal, oh you had to kill an innocent person to do it. That's well, and it goes back to honestly the plot spackle thing I was talking about earlier. Of I'm I could almost guarantee you when she wrote that scene with Neville, in nowhere in her snake. mind it, she was yeah, the, it, was it was just, just a, a snake. snake. Yeah, it was just a snake. It was a snake a snake. And David. if you could argue that it was more intelligent, like you could argue that was because of the Horcrux, like mm-hmm. because yeah. it had a little bit of Voldemort in it. So, or it was a magic snake. Or it was a magic it was snake. Like, yes. <laughs> it just strikes me as it, this is her getting a chance to go back and be like, "Well, what if I made this mean so much more?" And you're like, "But it it worked initially. Like it yeah. worked. Like." If you want to tell other stories in that universe, that's great. I'd love to see other stories in that universe, but like to go through and keep hammering into the same points we already know, but at every step you kind of defang big moments from Harry Potter, it hurts it. Defang, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't intentionally make that pun, but okay. <laughs> And just like how you just add another Dumbledore into the series for no fucking reason, it makes no <laughs> sense. I'll be honest, I threw this in because I knew David would want to yell about it. <laughs> oh my god. I, I got so many texts about Fantastic Beasts 2 from David. 
So oh. when I when I saw that scene, I, I don't know if you've read the importance of being earnest, but uh, the whole that whole play by Oscar Wilde is predicated on this idea that there was a in, in the play very comedic switch of two babies at at the beginning of like these two babies lives and like they you have these two people who are who are interacting who don't realize that they're brothers the whole time and it's it's all very funny and it works out in the end and so the whole dumbledore baby switch thing like all i could think of was the importance of being earnest like (laughs) it was only played straight (laughs) wasn't that also colin firth Yes, that was. <laughs> I was trying to think of when they did the movie of that, and I was like, isn't that also Colin Firth? I think it was Colin Firth and maybe Rupert Everett? Yeah, Rupert sure. Everett and Colin yeah. Firth. Wow, that is a name. You know, Jesus Christ. You know what I would think would make a great Fantastic Beast 3? If they just drop the plot and just have Jacob Kowalski walk around and discovering new things about wizard community, because that guy is a gem. <gasps> yes. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. That that is the greatest thing to come out of the Fantastic Beasts is Dan Fogler and Jacob Kowalski just being himself. That is mm-hmm. amazing. I I agree with that. Like I just want Newt Scamander to like take him around the wizard community and watch him discover new things and be and have his reactions that are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that joy of discovery was some of the best parts of the first film. Yes, um, it was. So. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And, and even drop Queenie because how she just decided to join Grindelwald. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. This yeah, person you, who wants to kill you is the only one who will allow us to get married. Oh, oh, oh! Wait, you're the guy you want to marry, saying don't join him, but I will. It's... And you have the uncomfortable thing uh, where, like, if Grindelwald had won, would would we not have had World War? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I, you know what? I think it'll be written in the history books that Grindelwald uh, could have stopped the Nazis, and he didn't. uh, (laughs) It's it's weird when you're just like, well, our bad guy wants to stop the Holocaust, and you go, you want to retake that? Maybe take another pass and see. (laughs) Ooh, ooh, oof. Oof. So who knows? Maybe it will find its way in the third one and in Brazil. And maybe Steve Cloves can try to help. It's possible. I don't know. Uh, someone, who was it? I think it was Dan Merle on Screen Junkies. Uh, said what he remembered is how like the first Harry Potter movies almost had this happen where the Chris Columbus did the first two. And, like, they were good, but they weren't anything... The first two had the best Dumbledore. They did. Yeah. And sadly. Yeah. Um, I agree. I uh, really agree. Michael Gambon was good, but Richard Harris was something else. He yeah. embodied that whole... Th- I, I, the character of Dumbledore. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think he was perfect. But, uh, but what happened is, like, the movies, they were successful, but, you know... Critically, most people were like, ah, oh, they're fine. And so then they, what they did is they started handing it to other directors. Alfonso Cuaron did, I think, uh, the third one. Prisoner of Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. And they Mike st- Newell did mm-hmm. uh, Goblet of Fire, and then David Yates did the rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they started handing them out. And with Fantastic Beasts, it's, I think, just been 
David Yates and J.K. Rowling the whole time, and it might be that maybe now they should look into getting some other creative influences to come in there. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Anything to try to bring back what two just shit on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they've they've announced that there's going to be five Fantastic Beast movies. So yeah. they sure need to find some way to make them good. Because right Ow. now right now, how I see it is the first Fantastic Beast gave you this nice little thing. Yeah, it's not the original Harry Potter, but it's still nice. Some Then the second one went to Taco Bell and had diarrhea all over it. Now they need, <laughs> this, thir- now they need this third one to come back with some, paper, with some toilet paper and clean it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's like the old saying goes: if at first you don't succeed, keep trying until you make the fifth one and run out of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they also, I think, downgraded their uh, villain because they initially had uh, Colin Farrell, and they're like, "Oh, but in fact, it was Johnny Depp in disguise." And you're like, "Can we go back to Colin Farrell?" <laughs> Listen, just say, "Oh no, the mask stayed on. The apologies yeah. potion didn't wear off." Yeah. Oh no, he's just Colin Farrell now. Yeah, <laughs> Colin Farrell was so good in that he, role. That's that's actually really what they the, the subtitle for uh, the third one should be. And she's just Colin Farrell now. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Colin Farrell, hey. uh, Colin Farrell is in talks to play Penguin in the upcoming The Batman movie, starring, of course, Robert Pattinson and Paul Dano. Uh, they've also cast Zoe Kravitz to play Catwoman, and rumors abound that Andy Serkis is in talks to play Alfred Pennyworth. You know, every time there's there's a casting announcement or rumor from this, I, I, I consistently text my co-host Trey and just say, dude, the cast of the Batman is so fucking good. <laughs> like, it, it's, <laughs> it's, and I, I know for a while it was, um, oh, who was it? Oh, God, what's... Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill was ten talks, but like mm-hmm. Colin Farrell's a great actor. See, oh, Colin yeah. Farrell as an actor, I don't mind him playing the penguin, but cosmetically, mm-hmm. I always picture the penguin like Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> well, which Danny they, DeVito em- embodied that penguin well. I think they're going to change it. Yeah. Like Colin Farrell physically does not so- seem penguin to me. Like his acting abilities, I do not doubt him at all. Yeah. I bet they're going to make him more of just the penguin is the name and he's like some kind of gangster. Yeah, I think so too. And that he, makes he, won't the most... ne- he won't necessarily be the penguin-looking weird mutant-ish mm-hmm. man. He, they might do a little bit of that, but I don't think they'll do over the top like Danny DeVito was or you know what they've done a little bit in Gotham. Um, but you can't match what Danny DeVito did. I, 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 I you can't. I completely agree. And. and Here's the thing, like, every time, like, there's a casting announcement, I, I don't really, like, have anyone in mind, but then as soon as they announce, like, oh, Jeffrey Wright's gonna play Commissioner Gordon, I'm like, that's a great idea, you should do that, and when the Andy Serkis was, like, the, rumored, that mm-hmm. was another, like, oh my god, that is terrific, let's have Andy Serkis play Penny, uh, play Alfred, that's awesome, I, look, I think Andy Serkis should be in more movies, like at mm-hmm. like as himself, mm-hmm. because I, I think it w- they did him a disservice in Black Panther by killing him. Because I think that mm-hmm. was such he was such a cool like a fun villain, like could have like it brought brought him back in a future movie, and that would have been mm-hmm. really really cool. But I want to see more of him because I I, do, I don't feel like we get enough of him, and 
outside of the CGI stuff. So I am very excited. I, I don't really know enough about Zoe Kravitz or I've seen her enough to know if she'll make a great Catwoman. But yeah, I'm all for it. But Matt Reeves, as far as I'm concerned, is batting 100% right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so this cast is killer. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm be totally looking forward to this movie 100. Mm-hmm. percent In fact, I'm I'm loving they're bringing back villains like the Penguin and the Riddler because last time they were on screen, there was Jim Carrey and Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smoking. And one of those was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> History be the judge of that yeah. one. <laughs> well, and and I think another cool direction you can take penguin is uh because we've seen this in a couple of video games and things it's not even just a gangster but uh but just as another wealthy son of a gotham family because then you can set up a really cool comparison between young bruce wayne and mm-hmm. how he handles his fortune well, and uh penguin how he handles his fortune and and i think that could potentially be very relevant to our times to have people thinking about like what to do with this money and of course the i guess obvious answer is build a bunch of bat themed toys and and fight crime but like Mm -hmm. um (laughs) well i think it's i think it's in the batman telltale game series where he's basically they use penguin as a dark reflection of bruce wayne because oswald cobblepot is someone who has squandered his family's wealth and good name and like both he and Bruce are two, you know, two young guys who both of their parents are dead, and they come from some of the founding city or founding families of Gotham City. And yet it's like he is struggling to make ends meet with his family's fortune because he spent his entire youth squandering it. Whereas Bruce didn't and is trying to make something of the Wayne name. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting dynamic too, because like it, you know, Cobblepot has traditionally been just like you know, rah, 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 I'm the Penguin. Rah, yeah. rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. So having something different like that, I, especially I, we've never seen that on film. So I think that's a really cool dynamic mm-hmm. to bring into it. Because at this point, like it, it just sounds like to me they're just like. They're not really doing an origin. It's more of like, yeah, he's Batman's established in this universe, and we've got all these his rogues gallery. They're ready to go. Please, I swear to God, if it is an origin, I will shoot Bruce's parents myself. You don't need to do an origin. Everybody knows. Please, Matt Reeves. Honestly, you know when when I heard reviews that. that like uh, Bruce Wayne's parents also get shot in Joker. I was like, yeah, really? it's a stupid moment. Really? It's a stupid moment. You mean my? You mean Daniel and I's favorite movie of 2019, Joker? We're not. We're not litigating that on the podcast. Uh-huh, I got enough. To... I got enough on the review. I got um, you. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, it's. I am. And because it's always the same. It's the same pearls falling in the same <laughs> alley. It's the same the song. Same that Zor- deep echo as they fall, like it's you, know, you have the the deep sound of the pearls hitting the the we've stone s- alley. We've seen it in almost every different way. It's good. Mm-hmm. We know everyone knows the story of Batman. Unborn children know the story <laughs> of Batman. 
But do do, but do they live? His parents? I'm gonna take a wild step in the dark and say they're already dead. I I, I keep hoping, like in the Lion King, I hope Mufasa lives. (laughs) You're the the person who went to the uh, 2019 remake of Lion King going, maybe this time? (laughs) Maybe this time Mufasa will live. (laughs) I'm sad to say, he didn't. That's a shame. There's been exactly, like, even in comics, there's been exactly once his parents live, and that's only because Bruce died. (laughs) And one of them becomes the Joker. Yeah, the mom becomes the Joker. And the dad becomes Batman. Good old Flashpoint. (laughs) The other thing is, there's always, like, discussions in everything of, like, well, what if his parents were killed as a vast conspiracy? And the whole point, when you boil it down, is they have to be killed by just some random thug. Because his war is not against a specific criminal organization. It's not, I'm getting revenge for the people who took my parents. It's, I'm getting justice for a city overtaken by crime. Right. Like, the reason, and comics have played with this before, and normally they tend to go back to just being, it was Joe Chill who just shot the Waynes for some money, and what was going to be a necklace full of pearls until they all went and hit the ground. (laughs) And, like, because that's just the point, is it's, it's just crime can happen to anyone. One one of my favorite scenes from the comic books is when Batman goes sees Joe Chill in the jail cell and says, "Aha, you're the one that created Batman, but you can't tell anyone because they'll kill you." Then be there. There's a great book written, a uh, great graphic novel written by Neil Gaiman uh called whatever happened to the cape crusader and in it it hypothesizes uh various ways that batman could have died and he's there at he's sort of there in spirit at his funeral but it's like almost a multiversal funeral it's a little complicated to explain but it's actually really good and there's a thing of as they're entering the the building joe chill is working the bar and i think it's selena kyle is basically like what are you doing here and he goes well I was here at the start of it. Makes sense. I'm here at the end, dude. I, wow. I, I need to write. I need to write a book like that. Ways Batman could die. I'd be like page one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's a dude. A bullet could do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, th- that book. That book is filled with lots of interesting stuff, and it, it's it's one of my favorites. And I mean Neil Gaiman. It's it's good. De- chapter two. Uh, a grenade would pretty much kill him. <laughs> It's not just that. It's got a bit more artistry than that. Or just just plain Fallout seventy six for enough time. We don't oh, need to, we don't need to keep going, we don't need to keep increasing the scale. Chapter four, a knife. <laughs> I don't know. You could oh. probably drown them. Oh jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I could write we... the hell out of this book. I think we've lost the plot a bit here. Chapter six. I mean, you can burn them alive. I will add, uh, if you would like to have like any of the questions answered about like, what do you do to fight the system that caused this violence? Uh, but in like cool and interesting ways, go watch Watchmen. 
Pirates. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about that in another podcast, but Watchmen is really quite good. If you want to fight crime in cool and interesting ways, you could get a billion dollars dressed as a bat and beat the <laughs> shit out of them. Seems to be working. You could. All right, that's going to do it for us here for this episode of Nerds for Normal People. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter at Nerds4Normal. That's Nerds the number four normal. Uh, and I want to thank all our wonderful hosts for joining us today. Uh, Beth, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, my Twitter account is at DunceLibrarian, D-U-N-S Librarian. Also, look out for some upcoming articles on Funkhauser. I have a review of uh, the new Nancy Drew TV show and why I want Nancy Drew to get eaten by a ghost. And I also have uh, some upcoming reviews. Uh, I'm going to be looking back at the Disney Channel original movies as an adult and seeing if they still hold up today. You're doing God's work, Beth. (laughs) <laughs> very very important work David do you have anything you'd like to plug I would like to plug my upcoming book of ways to kill Batman <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you want more hints at some of the things that are in my book one of them involves uranium um, you can just message just hit me up on my twitter at, at the David Hood thank you David and good luck writing that book and if you know anyone that's willing to publish this book, let me know. Bill, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, follow and listen to my podcast, Skywalking Through the League. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play Store, whatever your your podcast distribution is. Um, and follow us on Twitter, at SkywalkingTL, and then you can follow me on Twitter, at Star Wars Bill. Godspeed, Rebels. Excellent. I feel like you're kind of a big deal now. No. Mm-hmm. You're you're like Finn. No. You're a big yeah. deal. And just like Finn, I am clearly not a big deal in the resistance. So. <laughs> and just like Finn, we're going to send you on a mission through the movie that means absolutely nothing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Bill's going to do this next one from a casino somewhere, and we're just not going to reference it at all in the overarching story of our podcast. I swear you to know God, what I that just movie, realized. When they, when they, I swear to God, when they what? wrote that movie. They were just like, wrote it and they are like, oh shit, we forgot about Finn. We are two Star Wars movies in a row with some kind of space horse. Was there one? The Fathiers. Oh, the, the, uh, the episodic ones. Yeah. Oh, the episodic yeah. ones. Yeah, you're right. Well, at least they saved those horses. You're welcome, America. <laughs> they accomplished that. As, as, a, as a group of people from Kentucky, we do appreciate saving the horses. We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, you all can follow me at Daniel Dunstan on Twitter and I think that's gonna do it for us here as always see ya nerds <laughs> <laughs>